With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I am joined today by my co-host, Andreas Babiolakis, a.k.a. Andreas Babiornani. Oh, hey. And I'm also, whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I, am I stepping over here? <laughs> um, let's try this. I'm also joined by our first team all-NBA podcast producer, Jay Lung. Is that better? Is that Come better? Come on now. Come on now. Well, I mean, if you're going to go ahead and do the Bargnani thing, I'd at least drop the S. It's Andrea Bargnani. I know. That's true. I messed that up. Anyways, welcome to the podcast, guys. How are we doing today? How are we doing? Good. I'm surprised that there's still news coming out. Every single day, there's always something about the Raptors. I don't know about you, but this is the the most, I guess, busiest off-season we've had in forever, maybe? Yep. Since inception, I would say. Absolutely. I mean... It's gotten to the point now where I think this is rivaling the amount of Lakers coverage that's happening. And you like 10 years ago, you'd say the Raptors covered as much as the Lakers get out of here. But like, no, it's true. It's, it's crazy actually. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And like, I remember previous, even the last one or two postseason, uh, yeah, postseasons or sorry, I should say off seasons, we were debating, you know, whether or not DeRozan would resign and Lowry would resign. That was our big news. And then you have all those, like, um, who's the best player in the Eastern Conference. You have, Ky- you know, you have the usual suspects like Kyrie Irving. You got Joel Embiid. And then with the same pictures, you have Kawhi Leonard in a Raptors jersey. <laughs> it's just it's just still really, really weird. Yeah, it's so surreal. It's at a point where one of the article or, or article ideas, because I've seen a lot of outlets do this, a hot topic has been how much does the Kawhi trade affect the NBA 2K ratings roster? Like how many points has been like I've seen so many news uh, outlets covering this, and it's like that's that's our gauge of how good of a trade this is. Sure, whatever. But um, needless to say, this is still a mind-boggling trade. Clearly, because it's been three weeks and there's still debris to go through. And I mean, right off the bat, I mean, uh, when I'm taking a look at what we've got on tap for this episode, we've got Nick Nurse's meeting with Kawhi. And again, this is all just happened within the last seven days. If, if you think about when our last pod was, we've got Nick Nurse's meeting with Kawhi. We've got a bunch of different lineups that I couldn't get more excited about. This is probably what the favorite part of, of this whole uh, Kawhi edition and Danny Green edition is taking a look at all the different lineups that the Raptors can throw out there because uh, it's, you know what, I'm going to try to hide my excitement, but I, I really can't. Um, we're also going to take a look at some final roster spots. You know, all this talk that we've had about uh, who's going to be playing where, who's going to be starting. Uh, 
there's still some available spots. So we're going to take a look at who might be filling out our roster for the season. And uh, I think we'll close this off with a bit of um, some projected seedings. Um, a couple of different rankings are already floating out there with ESPN and CBS. So we'll take a look at that. But why don't we uh, kick things off with Nick Nurse meeting with Kawhi. What do you guys think? We still haven't heard from Kawhi. If you, if you think about it, nothing has been said from Kawhi's own mouth. Everything has been, this is what Kawhi said. This is, you know, pro- pro- probably this is what Kawhi said or this is what he's feeling. Nobody knows and nobody will know until he actually says something and that hasn't happened. But we do know that our newly required uh, head coach, Nick Nurse, did have a meeting with Kawhi Leonard. And at first, like like everyone else, no one has actually talked to him. And he admits that he's never talked to him before, so he had no idea you know, uh, how it was going to go. And the first thing out of his mouth was, you know what, that meeting was great. Like, Apparently, he said it was it was a really fun meeting. People are, the management kept on trying to get the mail, but he, they didn't want to go. And and it's it's really relieving to see that, especially from our head coach. All of this is so new, so it's really hard to process uh, still. The fact that the matter is, Kawhi did talk to our head coach, and it was great. I'm not, I'm not really too sure where we can find a negative in this. Well, the way I see it, uh, Kawhi Leonard, as we've talked about before, and we will continue to talk about, I guess, for the next year at bare minimum, never talks. So the fact that Nick Nurse got up to talk for 50 minutes is like opening your first Pokemon booster pack and getting a holographic Charizard. I mean, that shit is rare. <laughs> but uh, Ooh, do you remember to say, oh, oh. my God, <laughs> the way I see it, a lengthy conversation like that without knowing quite what the content was, because you can only take so much from what Nick Nurse said. What's he going to say? Oh yeah, it was, it, it went horribly. Kawhi still is like sitting there moping. Like I can't even understand what to do. No, he's going to make it positive, but judging from the duration, we could only assume that it at least went decently because a 45 minute to 50 minute conversation isn't, Hey, how, how are you doing? You know, how, how are your ball handling skills? You know, are, are you still injured? No, that's some deep stuff where it's like, hey, listen, this is this is your position now. What are you feeling positive about? What are you feeling negative about? Let's let's confront this negative feeling that you're having. And, you know, an, an assurance kind of conversation. That's that's what I get from it. If it's going on for that long, I mean, that's not just chit chat. That's some deep stuff that's probably going through the troubled mind of, of Kawhi, who you know, uh, let's be honest, he has been flung into this position that he probably wasn't setting his, his hopes up for. But that's what I take from it. I'm hoping that that's what it is, just a kind of easing into his new position as a leader on the Raptors team. Hopefully, if it was positive, that it's deeply written in Kawhi's system now and he understands his post fully. He lit up like a Christmas tree. Now that, if that's not a meme, I don't know what is because... <laughs> that's that for me is what i got out of that because so taking more of what nick nurse had to say uh he was prepared had a list of questions he got up and started asking about the offense it's not even like nurse and the rest of the coaching staff were doing all the talking right because that if, if if you told me that's what happened i would actually believe you i i would believe you if you told me that nurse talked for 43 of those 45 minutes but right. the fact that Kawhi came prepared with questions wanted to know how is he he's he's all about business and this suits and fits exactly the narrative in terms of what we have uh not only acquired but the, 
the kind of persona that he's given off, which is, I'm not in this for, you know, the media attention. I'm not in this to even hold a, a an introductory press conference. I am here to work. He came in, knew what he wanted. And uh, that's pretty much the best case scenario in terms of what you want to hear as a Raptors fan. What we're hearing from the head coach, you have to, you kind of have to take it from a grain of salt too. And what I mean by that is we've been listening to Dwayne Casey for the last six years seven years was it i'm not something I, like that something like, like Actually, i think it's five i'm gonna guess five five years it's almost like routine for him now and we we're hearing it from our head coach which was doing casey for a very long time so hearing these things from nick nurse at this point i feel like we still don't really know how he is as a coach and what uh, mm-hmm. what his habits are what how he talks to the press as well so like you said jay it could have been of those 45 minutes it could have been nick nurse talking for 43 minutes and if you listen to any of his um, or watch any of his interviews you you can kind of tell that he's very chatty he talks a lot right but it's also because he's very right. knowledgeable it's really good to hear that nurse had a had a great conversation meeting with with Kawhi at the same time we don't really know anything about nick nurse as our head coach that's why i'm going to be taking it with a grain of salt and that's oh, yeah. another interesting point where you know we've got this lineup with, with Kawhi, obviously, he's not going to be a benched player. We're obviously going to use him and try to work around him. And we've had this great team where we have arguably, the, and I'm not just saying this because this is a Raptors podcast, but I sincerely feel that we have the best bench and backup players in the league. And a lot of that is possibly attributed to Dwayne Casey's excellent coaching. Now, with that being said, how much of the success was solely based on the players' merits and talents and how much of it was based on Casey's coaching? Because everybody's quick to point out where his flaws were in the playoffs or at the end of games where we couldn't clinch moments or anything like that. But I guess the big difference will be with Nick Nurse seeing how different the team plays under his direction. Or then again, because he was Casey's assistant, per se, that there might not be much of a difference at all. I mean, what do you guys think? Well, Nick Nurse is uh, attributed to turning around this offense. Um, mm. If you look at the 2016-17 season, uh, the Raptors had a great offense. They were sixth in offensive rating. Uh, they were 10th in the league in points per game. Those are good numbers. I remember reading last offseason that Nick Nurse uh, engineered a, a big change. Raptors were falling behind in terms of where the NBA was headed. A lot of iso ball. Uh, he was credited with changing things up in the offseason. During their workouts in the summer, they were implementing some rules that were very different. Uh, I think in terms of corner threes, for example, were worth more points, and you got additional points if you were passing more, something to that effect. So it forced every single Raptor, not just the starters, not just the bench, to change their mindset and adopt this way of playing that the rest of the NBA was already uh, given a head start on. He was credited with that. And then last year, we turned that sixth place ranking into the second best offensive rating and a jump all the way to fourth in terms of points per game. Mm-hmm. So the effects of what Nurse has done, at least on the offensive end, are are, are wonderful. And, and that's the thing is like most people are talking about how this new lineup, I don't know about you, but most of the, the news I'm reading about and hearing about is how great our defense is going to be. But right. now we have this wonderful offensive coach now heading us. I can't stress enough how excited I am about all the different lineups that we can throw out there. I think that's an excellent point, actually. Yeah, and if I can add to that, I know that he was also credited for um, certain 
I guess, drills in, in like training camp or in practices where if you scored a two, you actually lose points. So everything you have that's to do it. is score yeah, yeah. threes. So, yeah, I think that's what you were talking about, right? Yeah, and, um, yeah. And I believe that we, we jumped, I, I think it was like the middle of the pack of the league to all the way to second in three-point attempts. Not being, not three-pointers yes. made, three made, but in attempts right behind Houston Rockets. So our, our style of play is completely different. And another thing that also piqued my interest was when uh, Nick Nurse also talked about the roster and how he basically has six starters. So you're talking mm-hmm. about Lowry, Leonard, Green, JV, OG, and Serge. There sh- probably should be conversations about some starters uh, would have to come off the bench. And in my case, I'm I'm thinking slash kind of hoping that it's Ibaka that he's talking about. Well, that's the, that's also what he was uh, he was alluding to, right? That of those six starters, the one he did talk to about possibly inheriting a bench role was Ibaka. It, mm-hmm. And uh, from what I from what I had read, yes, I agree too. That I think that's where it should be. I think we had all meant that even in last week's pod, but the fact that it's actually being talked about as a reality is is again mm-hmm. it's exciting because of uh, the versatility that this team can can now go with. But I mean, that's that's promising. If Ibaka is going to the bench, that means two things. The starting lineup is better than it was before, arguably. Secondly, hell, that that just emphasizes how strong our bench is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I and I feel like because if let's say Serge Ibaka or or even JV for that matter, because I know that last year we were like, you know, JV should come off the bench and everything. But uh, I do believe that from the last years. Uh, growth from JV, he should be starter. And the thing is, we only have one center, one true center, especially with Jacoperto gone. Um, mm. That JV should be the starting role. With that being said, Absolutely. I think that Nick Nurse um, has so many different lineups that he can choose and pick and choose from, especially against certain uh, types of uh, teams. For example, if we're going to face a guard heavy team like the Boston Celtics, for example, we can go heavy D. Conversely, we can also punish them with our uh, bigs too. So, you know, you, I think he just has so many options that he can play with, but it all depends if these guys are willing to come off the bench or have a different kind of type of role too. Well, what do you, what do you think if they were to face something that's a little bit, uh, a little bit more of a, like a raw team, like a hard hitting team, like, like the 76ers now with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, for instance, like, what do you think? Well, I mean, the, Oh, no, sorry. You you can take this one, Jay. All right. Well, no, I was just thinking that Philly is like, he, they have a pretty strong, uh, I want to say front court. Um, but they don't have a bench anymore. So, I mean, go, go hard on them with defense and, exhaust them make them go and uh face our bench and then we run we run them out the gym like i just feel like we we have so many weapons to choose from you know you know i will actually say this while the 76ers are being i wouldn't say they're being roasted but they didn't make any big splashes uh when they could have right they were considered uh, a front runner or at least one of the leading candidates to try to get either paul george uh lebron at one point uh, even mm-hmm. Kawhi. Uh, and none of them ended up on the team. And now what you're basically hoping for, and, and this is a good, again, a good problem to have for the Sixers, is uh, Simmons will continue to get better. Um, Embiid will, is is just a monster. The wild card, of course, is Markel Fultz. So you got to think that they still find a lot of value in Fultz. Fultz, like I said, is a wild card because 
uh, number one overall pick, there are certain expectations with, that come with being that pick. And if he gets over his uh, shooting yips and starts to play up to his potential, uh, they're a scary team. But going back to the question about how the Raptors line up, I mean, uh, let me just let me just say this: uh, we go, we the Raptors can go ten deep on any team. Um, one stat that I came across uh, from a Twitter handle, the B Ball Index, uh, they what they do is they grade out every single player in the NBA. And they're looking at uh, specific areas like perimeter defense and uh, uh, perimeter shooting, playmaking, that kind of thing. Uh, so what they did was any player, and th- this is referring specifically to point guards uh, in, in this tweet I saw, uh, any player that graded out as either an A- minus or an A in perimeter shooting and perimeter defense, that's considered your elite three and D and that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the point guard category, only four point guards were considered elite three and D meaning they both got A's in perimeter shooting and perimeter defense. Two of those four were Raptors, Lowry and then Vliet. So going back to the question about how our lineup stacks up against the others, uh, when you can throw these two out, mind you, we're talking about elite three and D defenders, three and D players, and we haven't even mentioned Danny Green, OG Aninobi, or Kawhi Leonard. So, mm-hmm. when you can throw that kind of lineup out there, it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the court. It does not matter. We can throw Kawhi at Simmons. We can throw Ibaka at Embiid. The rotation possibilities are endless. So I think what we're going to see, at least in the beginning of the season, those first, I would say, 15, 20 games up until Christmas, you're going to see Nick Nurse playing with a lot of different lineups. I think we're probably going to see something like uh, a different starting lineup probably every other game. Um, that's just that's just a guess on my part, but just judging by what he's saying and uh, reading into his excitement over the different possibilities that can, that can happen here. Uh, we may be seeing the different starting lineups and different uh, the bench mob itself might even be played around with a little bit here. What also lends to your theory and why I actually think you're going to be dead right about this is that we've had such an active postseason. We haven't, we haven't, but you know, with the, the few major plays that we've had, we've, we've got LeBron going to the West. We've got, um, you know, the whole Carmelo Anthony thing going on as well. Uh, oh, there's yeah. there's a few minor yet major shifts that are going to throw the league in a funk because basically what's happening now, and let's not forget the Marcus Cousins, and this is what I'm alluding to, uh, you have a league that's trying to dethrone the Warriors. And it's not just about them winning the championships, it's even getting them to the finals because this is clearly a league that's suffering from, what is it called? The the death lineup that Steve Kerr implemented. Um, yeah. This impossible team to destroy. And with that, the Raptors, as you said, have so many combinations that they could work with. And you have a guy who's finally sitting on the throne as a head coach, who's got this this possibility to to work with what he has and, and fully use all of his tools. So you have a starving league, a couple of 
minor changed teams, but enough to make some big damage like the Raptors and the Lakers. And obviously you have Boston now, which is going to have a healthy Kyrie, but especially a healthy Gordon Hayward. It's going to be a really, and I don't even just mean the Raptors, but like for most of the league, it's going to be a really nuts first 20 games, I think. I don't think there's going to be a clear shot winner outside of maybe the Warriors because it's the Warriors, but you're going to see a lot of teams trying their best. And with the Raptors, at least we have such a great bench and so many key elements to play with that I I sincerely think that can we go toe-to-toe with the Warriors? Probably not, but we'll see. But, you know, we'll have something where we might have an answer to many many different outcomes and different... um, problems that we have so i mean it's exciting i will just have to see though i i also think that um in the previous years with uh casey at the helm and DeRozan as our star i feel like every year we would be like you know what are we going to throw differently who's going to go on the bench what's what are we going to do with kyle and damar a lot of it was very predictable and not only to us yes. fans, it was predictable, but it was against opposing teams. It was very predictable, too. And obviously, you could see it in the playoffs. Everything was going through Kyle Demar. Like, I mean, they're stars. There are stars. So, of course, we're going to ISO play, though. Like... Yeah, ISO play as well. And I guess change that happened last year was our bench. But because, you know, Fred Van Vliet was out in the playoffs, which made a humongous difference uh, in that Cavs series, I... I I think, or in the entire playoffs, I just think that because of how predictable our previous times were, it was just too easy for everybody. And now it's like, it's a mystery. And everyone's like, ooh, I, 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 this is something actually new now. So after all the, um, you know, the Damar and the Maasai uh, ugliness, once that kind of, you know, eases over, I feel like the, the curiosity is going to kick in very soon. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, if going back to uh, Andreas's point about uh, a team like the Warriors, I mean, just just you mentioning the death lineup, right? I mean, that that chin sends shivers down the spines of all NBA teams. But when I look at that as a Raptors fan, um, and I think about how the Raptors would match up with the death lineup, even then, I'm very confident in what we can throw out there. When we had uh, DeRozan out there, and of course he would have to play heavy minutes against uh, the championship team that is the Warriors. Um, he was a minus on defense, and I hate to always bring this up, um, but our best lineups uh, in previous seasons always had to include DeRozan and probably uh, and probably one of uh, JV or actually that's who I'm thinking of. And the problem with that is uh, when you have a minus defender like DeRozan is, um, you can't hide him. Um, And if you try to hide him, a team like the Warriors will expose that. Mm -hmm. Now we have a team where you can throw out six, seven guys who can all switch. So when the death lineup comes out there, uh, we've got a lineup that can switch up every little screen that they throw at us and answer and, and defend better. Um, I, I'm going to keep throwing stats out to you guys here, but another stat I came across was, I believe it was Synergy who, who Synergy Sports who do their, the tracking of plays. Um, I think they threw out uh, the, the, I think the top shooters in terms of uh, number of wide open threes. And I think number one is Curry. 
you think think about that for a second. He is the deadliest shooter in the NBA, and yet he still gets the most open threes in the league. Now that's not a product of Curry. That's a product of the system that Kerr has instilled. That's a product of numerous screens to get him open. Uh, and, and pulling the offense out because they, they can shoot like him and, you know, the Splash Brothers, anybody on the team, now, I guess now DeMarcus Cousins too, could shoot from like 20 feet behind the arc if they wanted to. Exactly, exactly. And you know why that happens is because 28 other teams, and I'm specifically excluding the Raptors from there, 28 other teams cannot go five out and just keep switching every single screen they throw at you. That's mm. the kind of versatility that the Raptors can throw at a team like the Warriors. Very exciting, guys. Very exciting. And I remember reading how 10 people or 10 players on our team is above or around the 50% range when it comes to corner threes, too. And that's oh, yep. good. That's two, yep. that's two lineups, you know? You're, we're talking about not like not amateur three-point shooters here you know what i mean these are these are right. top line shooters and to go against like that death line or to go against honestly anybody in the east threes are more than twos guys you know and if we if we keep on if we keep on jacking them up just like the houston rockets like they're we're gonna we're gonna get a few in especially with someone like danny green to to come on in and then cj miles to come in off the bench and then you got kyle lowry don't forget kyle lowry is an amazing three-point shooter and then fred van vliet didn't do wasn't too bad last year either so it's just like with nick nurse under the helm we're gonna be shooting some threes we're gonna shoot some bombs even jv's learning to shoot threes i mean i remember it was just yesterday when it was like oh my god Valanciunas got a three whoa and now he's like actually trying to sink more he's trying to be the big man that can shoot the three because unfortunately if you're not you're part of an extinct breed now so I mean let's see if his game's up up with that as well not that not that it's absolutely essential but it doesn't hurt Nick Nurse is a huge JV fan he's worked with him over the years he's helped him to develop that shot so if we again go back to the whole question about how the starting lineup is going to look um, I would not be surprised if, if JV is, is the one who stays in the starting lineup. Um, we already know that uh, Kyle and Kawhi are your two uh, for sure st- starters, but I'd say um, JV is is the closest thing to a third uh, starter, like a guaranteed third starter because of how much Nurse loves his game and has developed that game over the year. Oh, yeah, because like, even when DeRozan was on the team, that was our projected big three was Valanchunas was there as mm-hmm. well. Not that he's an all-star per se, but he has demanded a lot of respect from throughout the NBA with sports analysts because they that would be referred to the Toronto big three was Valanchunas. Like mm-hmm. even when uh, Biombo stepped in during the the playoff uh, appearance against the Cavs where we actually won a couple of games, it was like this big question mark, like, oh my God, how are we going to deal without JV? Like he's, He's so good, but even still, I don't think we've reached his full potential, even though he's only improved. So, uh, as you said, I'm excited to see what Nurse is going to bring out of him because uh, he's already done a damn good job. And speaking about that relationship with Nurse, I I remember uh, reading how whenever Nurse was training with JV, especially in his uh, first few years, he would tell him, okay, everything except for in the post. So we're talking about dribbling. We're talking about shooting threes. We're talking about uh, drifting uh, during a fast break. And then JV was more like, what do you mean? I, I don't like, why would we do that? It's because 
you, everybody knows that JV is really good in the post, with you, especially if he does his little hook shot when he goes into uh, the middle lane. But if you if you can work with a, a, every other aspect, it that's what's going to make you a complete player, and then you can kind of see the fruits of labor, you know. Yeah, Abs- I agree. Absolutely. But um, with all of that being said, I think we we can all agree that our lineup's looking pretty good. And uh, now that we've got Kawhi, I think the the main thing to kind of talk about whether it's brief or in depth we've we've had a few changes that you know make us a contender for being a first seed in the east again but you know we have to go back and think about the the healthy boston lineup uh i mean god they've got everybody they've got kyrie irving they've got tatum they've got hayward you know hopefully without breaking his ankle again yeah it's a it's a it's a scary lineup on paper you think it's not going to execute really well or I'm 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 trying to I'm biting my tongue here. I'm I'm releasing a hot take on you, but uh, the Celtics were the number one defense last year. It's probably not a coincidence that they were also the number one defense when Irving was not playing. Very true. I'm gonna say that they are not going to end off next season as the number one defense. Big reason of that is if Irving is healthy. He's also the, we were just talking about this earlier with DeRozan. He's such an amazing talent offensively, yet defensively he's a minus. The -hmm. same can be said for Irving. Uh, Irving is the type of player who will absolutely give you the highlights. He's an amazing leader and deservedly uh, all-NBA, recognized as an all-NBA superstar. However, he's not that fantastic on defense. Let's be real. You, You match up the Raptors with him. They might actually have to try to hide him. I'm just that's my mildly hot take over there, but I don't I don't know what you guys think. Well, I've actually got a question since you're you're on this hot streak. You know, going back to Gordon Hayward. Now, you know, you get two sides of the spectrum with somebody like old Gordon Hayward, where people say like, yeah, this guy's gonna turn them into like a superstar team. Like we don't even know their full potential because he was out for a year. But I've also seen people compare him to this kind of ideology that I've seen like YouTube analysts bring up called the shallow pool, where, for instance, there's X player or Y player that look really good. Um, a key example that's often brought up, and I don't mean to rag on this guy, is something like Blake Griffin, where nobody really knows what really happened to his career because he went from being like projected top five player in, in the NBA to being, you know, on the Pistons and not really doing too well. Uh, the shallow pool concept is that somebody looks so good because of the rest of the league isn't holding up to mm. how they usually are. So once you get like better players, then you start to realize, okay, these guys aren't that good. And right, Gordon right. Hayward's one of the players that's brought up often in this kind of discussion. So, I mean, do you think he's guilty of that? Or do you think that maybe he could bring the defense that Kyrie wouldn't, or, you know, the chemistry might be there or it might be too many cooks in the kitchen. Like, what do you think? That's a great question. And and taking a look at his defensive numbers, they're not bad. Uh, his you know defensive win shares are in the three and a half range, which is is not too bad in in, in today's NBA. Uh, and, and I'm looking, of course, at his Utah numbers. It's interesting because I, I'm no I'm no stats guru here, but uh, but well, looking at these numbers, I what I'm <laughs> what I'm not sure about is if his defensive numbers are a product of Utah's defense, and I'm, I'm really referring to Rudy Gobert, or mm-hmm. if it's really a product of his own one-on-one defense. So um, 
at a glance, I'm going to say he's he's definitely not a defensive uh, expert. I would actually put my money on Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum uh, being a better defensive stopper. So this is going back to my point about the Celtics not being as great defensively this year with where you would think, you know, adding in Irving and Hayward's offense is going to be perfect for an offense that I oftentimes struggled last year. But on the flip side, their defense is now going to sag a bit. So I don't know. You give a little, you take a little with, with, with the Celtics. Uh, they are rightfully the, the conference favorites. But again, I, I'm trying not to show bias here and thinking that the Raptors have a more well-rounded team on the offensive and defensive end. But speaking of bias, you can only wonder if the Celtics are projected to be the number one seed because the other possibility outside of the Sixers is a Canadian team. Let's, you know, God forbid, you know, uh, American analysts uh, show love, unless it's Charles Barkley, of course, showing love to, to the Toronto Raptors. I mean, what do you think? Jason? God, I know I was just speak. I was just talking full length with my friends. And I just remember when the day that DeRozan got traded, all the major networks were like DeRozan, uh, you know, uh, second second team nba four-time all-star uh such a great person in the league such a how how could he do that to him i was like screw you guys we've been telling you this like for years and now because he's not a <laughs> toronto raptor you're gonna start praising him and then and then leonard when he was not a toronto raptor he was still the spur you're talking oh he's still going you know if he went healthy he is one of the top players in the nba he shut down lebron james he gets traded to toronto raptor he's like oh he's not gonna stay uh this is probably a bad trade uh you gave up your franchise players like screw you guys man <laughs> that's what i gotta say about that <laughs> <laughs> well, unless it's Charles Barkley being like, I'm going to tell you, you know, Toronto Raptors, greatest team in the league or whatever, you know, like however he talks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, I, I guess, analyzing, you know, you say you're not a, a stats expert, but uh, I'm going to go to you anyways, Jay. Uh, okay. Off the pod, uh, some of the ideas, because what we do for, for you listening at home, we brew ideas through like a, a, a group chat that we have throughout a week and uh, a bubbling topic that Jason and I uh, have, have agreed to, to send to you, Jay, is uh, cap space related stuff and how that's going to affect the final roster spots because uh, I think it's a very important topic to bring up, especially with uh, what Kawhi's trade does to our, to our salary. And, you know, once all of these various uh, contracts end, like the super expensive one we have with Lowry. Um, which other ones are ending in like a year or two? Like yeah, there's a the, few, I know that for sure. Right. Our, our, window, our window is essentially two years. Uh, Lowry, yeah. Ibaka, JV, uh, Van Vliet's new, uh, new contract, uh, CJ Miles, all of those expire in two years. So, yeah. I mean, I, I know we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum over the last two weeks with regards to why the DeRozan trade worked and why we basically bumped up our rebuilding phase a couple uh, by, by a season if, if things actually go awry. Um, that is, that's essentially why. Masai made all of these contracts with that in mind, where he's giving the Raptors a specific window to work with and if a finals appearance or a championship comes out of it, then it, his moves have been justified. His The contracts that he's laid out have been justified. Uh, going back to our current uh, 
uh, I guess, cap space. Just a quick one-to-one comparison. DeRozan's contract over the next three seasons were $27.7 million, whereas Kawhi is, I guess, quote-unquote, only earning $20.1 million this upcoming season and $21 million the following season if he was to pick up his option, which we obviously hope he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that alone was already about $7 million in savings. So we got younger um, and we got and we got it for a cheaper price. Absolutely. Actually not that much younger, only a year, surprisingly. Hmm. But in terms to, of our cap space, uh next year's roster, and this is again with only uh we have here we are thirteen under contract, meaning there are still two open spots. The Raptors are at one hundred thirty six million. To put that in perspective. The salary cap is a hundred and two million. So the Raptors are over already by thirty-four million. Whoops. So <laughs> putting that, that into perspective, much. it is a lot. And are we, the are Raptors, we doing a repeater tax? We are on the third. This will be the third consecutive year. Wow. Of the repeater tax, yeah. Uh, last year we were over by three million. Uh, two years ago we were over by less than a million, which sucks. Uh, but yeah, now we're looking at about thirty-four million over. So this is why uh, there are small rumors going around that uh, if a move was to happen, if any more moves were to happen, it would be a salary dump. Uh, and when you start thinking about salary dump, you start to look at you go back to your sheets and start thinking about okay who's who's expensive here who can be dumped and if we look at the roster um and i know i'm kind of jumping the gun here and not talking about who we can add i'm actually thinking about who we can subtract the name you will probably hear the most is, is cj miles uh, which is kind mm-hmm. of a, which is definitely unfortunate because uh he fits perfectly into what we want out of a guy who is coming off the bench. He fits perfectly with the bench mob. He doesn't. He's not a, a plus defender, but he's surrounded by a bunch of great defenders in Wright and Van Vliet um, and Siakam. So someone like Miles has basically been replaced by Danny Green. Um, so someone like him would be expendable uh, if we wanted to lower. I, I, again, that doesn't solve our problem. That he's he's. Uh, He's only making eight million next year, so that doesn't. It, while it increases how much we are over the cap, it's not going to solve all of our problems. What do you guys think about that? Actually, the, the thought of DJ Miles being the one that that would have to go if we were to. I mean, when 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 you're talking about numbers terms, it does make sense because I'm looking at the roster spots now uh, along with the salary, and you're just for example, you're looking at somebody like Delon Wright or even OG Ananobi. Those guys are under three mil. And then They're you cheap. look at yeah, and you look at CJ Miles. He's above al- almost nine mil. If you're talking about a salary dump, like I know that last pod we were ta- we were kind of wishing for like a, maybe a Lowry salary dump or or trying to like a yeah. trade or something. You're talking about thirty two million dollars again in in the next two years that he's going to get paid that same amount of money. So not only do we not want that right now, no one else does too. So it, it does suck, but I can see where, where you're coming from. He's on, and he's on the, uh, the wrong end of 30 right now. He's at 32. So 
and the wrong I'm going to use the wrong words here, but it's more of a pipe dream. This we're going to be over the tax next year, regardless of how this this lineup shakes out. But I mean, keeping that in mind now, I mean, a couple of names have been floating around as possible 14th or 15th men on the roster. Names like David West, Greg Monroe. Any any of those names uh, tickling your fancy? Uh, Again, we're we're we're, we are establishing that yes, we're over the cap. So you know, whoever we're getting is on 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 a league minimum. We are going to continue to be over the cap. So let's just keep that in mind. But yeah, what do you guys think? I don't think Greg Monroe is a good idea, mainly because what the number was floating around was like five point three million dollars, which is like veterans minimum or something like that and right right exactly it's not it's not very much at the same time you kind of have to see his track record too like he was just with the pistons he was just with the bucks he was with another team i can't remember but he's a he's a journeyman so if you're just talking about filling out roster spots i mean there's not really to me i don't really see a point of someone who can just play inside when we already have that if the whole point was just keeping a big man that's tall and big we already had that we could just re-sign baby so what about david west and like if i'm not mistaken that's the the guy who just won a couple of championships with the warriors he's uh he's good yeah he's he's good in terms of like uh where he's at in his career almost 40 uh, yeah he's yeah that's, yeah he's he's been in the league for for quite a bit and he's yeah he's definitely on the wrong end of 30 actually much closer to 40 right he joined the Warriors basically because he wanted, he wanted a ring, right? He it, it was kind of funny a couple of years ago when he joined the Spurs for that very reason, and they didn't end up making it through. But he got his ring, um, you know. Kudos to him. That's true. That is true. Um, but now looking at where he's at in his career, I mean, now I mean it's it's totally up to him now, right? I mean he he can sign with anyone right now. He he is a free agent, so. He wouldn't be too bad. I mean, I, I, the only reason I would say that he's, he, I could see him in a Raptors uniform is because he's already at that part of his career where he's accepted the fact that, okay, well, I can, I don't need to play too many minutes. Um, and I can still contend. Uh, I can bang, bang bodies down low when needed. Got a good outside shot. Uh, I like him better as a fit than, than Greg Monroe. Uh, but I think the, and, and I'm going to swing off of David West actually, because the one a name that's been floating around that I actually really like, um, you know, my fellow Raptors HQ um, uh, writer, uh, Sean Woodley, recently put up an article saying, what about Quincy AC? Now, that's, he fits everything that you would probably want as a Raptors fan from the 14th spot. He is uh, an old Raptor favorite, so that kind of checks the mm-hmm. box of, okay, well, we didn't get Vince Carter, but we got another Raptor fa- favorite here. Uh, he is a big man, and he actually shoots a three. Now, this is something I had no idea about because I think Quincy AC, I think a banger who rebounds, he was taking something like four threes a night last year, four, uh, and hitting them at a very good percentage. I think it was like 35%, so that's really good. So uh, someone like him on league minimum, I think that's the kind of guy that we can bring in and I fully agree with Sean Willie on this. I fully agree that he would be the perfect addition to this team because, again, he's only got to play about 10 minutes. And in those 10 minutes, he'll provide that energy we need. He is uh, not as old as uh, as David West. He'll got some pep in his step. And, yeah, like I said, he can he can hit the occasional three, which fits what we are looking for. Um, 
I don't know what you guys think. Maybe you, maybe you guys are on Team David West. I don't know, but what do you guys think? Good to AC sounds all right. I mean, um, I'm reading here. He actually had a career-high six three-pointers in one game against the Chicago Bulls. So, I mean, uh, yeah, considering how he once was on the Raptors, I mean, that that's pretty astounding, actually. Yeah, plus he's much younger. You know, he's a familiar face. Uh, clearly, as also a journeyman, like he's been hopping not just through the NBA, but in and out of the NBA. So, like, yeah, this is a guy who clearly will will do his best uh, t- to fill a void on a team. So, uh, I mean, and we've we've had it before. V- well seasoned Raptors fans would love to have him back, you know, because he had his one year stint with the Raptors during his rookie year. So, I mean, absolutely, I, I'm all for him. Yeah, he was drafted with um, the year Terrence Ross was drafted, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I. I don't. Yeah. I don't mind that. I mean, again, it's for. It's not for uh, an ultimate spot on like a starting lineup or even the bench role, but he did play pretty well for for Brooklyn. But uh, you know, then again, Brooklyn was Brooklyn. Like he, they haven't been good since Paul Pierce was still there. But like to to be a integral part of any NBA team, I think is pretty that that shouldn't be taken lightly, and I I do feel like because of our core, I personally would go more towards the David West. Uh, me, I I'm more of um a veteran kind of presence person, and I feel like David West is everything and more of that. Like he he mm-hmm. can put up numbers if you're willing to, but at the same time. I'm thinking more of like a locker room presence. Yeah, you you kind of feel like the the locker room and and the Raptors the the family feel is a little it's it's a little on the rocks and it personally I just feel like we kind of need that father figure there and we don't have that right now. So AC is a good good fit, of course, uh, because of his shooting range and and because of his age, and hopefully because of his price. But to me, someone like David West could. I would feel a little bit more comfortable with, to be honest. No, I like that. I, I completely disregarded the the locker room presence part. I mean, that's that's something that is definitely going to be missing this year, um, mm-hmm. and something that um, I guess isn't talked about enough in terms of what the Raptors lost with DeRozan leaving. Um, you know, with with every every press conference post game, it was uh, Lowry and DeRozan. And um, I mean, just judging by the very first interaction of Lowry. Uh, with the media post DeRozan trade, I mean, we talked about this last week, right? He's he's uh, avoiding the questions. He's making jokes. He's being, you know, very surly about it. Um, that's not like while while it's fun for the media and fun for us to kind of uh, laugh at. Uh, that's also not the greatest indicator of a leader. So in terms of you know, that locker room presence, I agree. I mean, someone like a David West is probably someone that we would need. I can't think of anyone who could be that voice in the locker room. I mean, Lowry could probably fill in those shoes a little bit, but I don't know. Um, You raise a really good point there. Yeah, I agree. It's an excellent point because it's one that usually doesn't have to be made, but between two really good friends being separated against their will and... We're talking about Siakam and Pirtle, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, Siakam <laughs> skills. Siakam skills. No, but jokes aside, I actually meant Valanciunas and GoDaddy, but sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the ATBD ballers. Anyways, uh, so no, I mean, uh, with DeRozan and Lowry, but 
you know, with that happening and with Masai, who went from like being, you know, the the dad of the Raptors to being, you know, a boss. That's what he is. He's a boss. And now more than ever, he's felt like a boss. Uh, you raise a good point because we have this team now, but we also need the chemistry because look at, and I don't mean to throw teams under the bus, but look at OKC. A lot of good players does not make a great team. I'd argue that they barely made the playoffs um, considering, and even in the playoffs, didn't quite perform. And I'm not saying that any of the players are bad. They just certainly didn't mesh well. You know, you can't just make a wish and hope for Warriors or hope for, okay, even the Cavaliers. Uh, the Cavaliers this year were not the same Cavaliers as the year before. And I don't just mean roster-wise, but I mean the chemistry was so toxic. And we don't want a toxic team. We don't want the team where we have people you know, crapping other players being like, you see, you know, Kevin Love, why didn't you show up, you jackass or whatever? Like, we don't want that. We don't want them in the Raptors because we have a very loyal fan base. Um, the 20 plus years that the Raptors have been around, it's been pure heart. And that that is an important asset to have. And it's one that Kawhi obviously understands being a spur, but we'll have to reinstate and not just wait for it to happen because there's clearly some some bridges that have to be mended here uh not just with the players but with the organization as well that's very 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 good point there um and and it's funny you bring up uh the thunder and because yeah that 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 is what we saw right i mean um with carmelo anthony i is it official is he officially a rocket or or Uh, not not he's a hawk i think or like no, I think no, he's been Rocket. he's been waived. He's been officially bought out by the Hawks. Yeah, so he's not a Houston Rocket yet. I think I think they're still uh, he's still debating which one he wants to go to, but it's mo- looking most more likely. If anything, we're kind of just jealous that he got paid twenty five million dollars in a span of four days. So it's nuts. It's absolutely <laughs> nuts. But I mean, it's it's something that he said uh, in the last week was you know when I joined the Thunder, I just. I didn't fit well in that system. I mean, I just laughed when I heard that because I'm like, dude, I could have told you that the second you signed because, yeah, you were not going to fit in with that team and it showed all year long. Whereas you got a team like the Raptors where uh, everyone knew their place and that's why you ended up with a team that finished first overall in the Eastern Conference. I wrote my very first article for Raptors HQ, I wrote back in January. I was taking a look at uh, what the upcoming schedule was going to be post All-Star break. I was looking at uh, how the Raptors were performing in relation to the rest of the Eastern Conference. And I could see right away, and I, I this was my first article, and I wrote uh, about how the Raptors are going to come back. At that point, they were not in first. I said, the Raptors are going to finish first in the Eastern Conference. Um, and that is exactly what happened. Um, now, this year, I find is a bit harder to predict. Um, and we're seeing various um, uh, articles going out, and I alluded to this in the, in, in the intro, uh, about where the Raptors are going to end up. I think most have the Raptors finishing second or third, and you're going to see the same three, Boston and Philly, and I guess the Dark Horse being the Pacers. Where do you guys see them finishing? My heart says number one, but if I had to 
try and be very sensible about this because I didn't expect them. Um, if you said the first of the first game of last year that they would be the first seed, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, so I'm going to try and erase the fact that they were ever the first seed, not because I think it was luck based or anything, but I think they just had a really good year, which we can't always guarantee. But um, my mind's going to say second. And I think overall in the league, maybe fifth with the West included. I wouldn't be optimistic to say number one again. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I am probably going to go number three with uh, Boston and Philly uh, above us, but I do think that we're going to go to uh, the finals. Oh, no, no. I'll give you better. I'll give you just finishing one and going to the finals. So this is, I'm going to sound like a homer. Uh, again, I, I've kind of hinted at this throughout the pod in terms of my hesitations with Boston, um, my excitement for what the Raptors can do. And, and this is the thing. Um, we can try to predict all we want in terms of how a lineup's going to shake out. We cannot predict injuries. We cannot predict um, a lot of things. Exactly, exactly. There's a lot of things that we cannot predict. But if you're looking at, um, you know, bare bones, what, how the, the, the Raptors have changed, uh, you're looking at a team that was, oh, let me go back to my stats here. Where were they? In terms of defense, the Raptors last year were ranked, let me see here, fifth in the league in defensive rating. Amazing. The bench mob, number one. Uh, now think about that for a second. Number five in the league with DeRozan, and we just traded that for Kawhi. Mm. I am excited. That's just on the defensive end. On the offensive end, I think because Kawhi uh, doesn't have the uh, flashiness that DeRozan has, um, it's quickly forgotten that Kawhi actually has more points per game than DeRozan. On the offensive end, we're looking at a team that finished second last year and probably can do, if not better, at least maintain that. So adding that all up, that to me sounds like a number one seed in the conference. My only caveat to that is, you know, what I was, what we were all talking about earlier, how Nick Nurse is probably going to be playing around with the starting lineup a bit. That could lead to a couple of early bumps. I think that the Raptors can overcome that and finish first in the conference. And having home court advantage throughout the conference uh, will help push us over the edge uh, when it comes to facing the Celtics uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's my hot take. Champions, actually, wait, Eastern Conference champions. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do the ultimate hot take and say we're gonna beat the Warriors, but well, I don't know. Maybe it's also Pachulia goes rogue and injures his own teammates. I don't know. And I'm saying that as a Warriors fan. I love the Warriors, <laughs> but let's be real here. Like... <laughs> okay, well, I guess we can we can finish off with this then. Over under, uh, 60, 60 wins. Oof. Above. You're going over, Andres? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going above too. I'm not going to say they're, yeah, they're not going to like wipe out and go to the 70s or like go for 80 or anything like that, uh, which is also impossible. But um, I'm going, I'm going to go for like 64, 65. Oh, yeah. I, I thought, I thought, I think the highest I've seen in terms of what people have predicted is 65. So yep. uh, I'm going to go a little lower than that and say, let's go 62. I'm going over. I guess I got to be the dark horse because I can't yeah. I can't go back with my prediction, so I'm gonna go under. But but it's still gonna be around like the fifty eight range. That's what that's what I think. 
It's still the yeah. East, though. You could still be first with 58. That's true. That's yeah. True. But also, the other thing, too, is like it, it, it kind of doesn't. I mean, I know I just said that we have like we'll have a home court adventure at the East Conference, but like even finishing second or third is still solid. I mean, that, that's I think what you're going to find is, is kind of similar to last year where uh, the top seeds are going to be on cruise control uh, after the All Star break. So, you know, it, it'll probably be the the same three teams you've mentioned, plus maybe the Pacers. Maybe you'll have one breakout team, but I think you're going to see the same thing that you saw last year with the the top half or the top echelon of the East are on cruise control after the All Star break, and and that's the kind of time when, um, you know, especially with next year and how the the draft is looking you're going to see some tangers again in the east and uh, that leads to more uh, easier victories for the raptors so yeah i'm i'm all aboard let's let's get over 60 this year but don't cut out the kings i think they're a strong competition for us <laughs> where the hell did that come from i <laughs> uh, just just wanted to end on a joke that's all <laughs> With, with that being said, uh, the Kings won't be Kings, but maybe the Raptors will be Kings. Otherwise, you could find us on Twitter at That's a Rap Podcast. And where can we find the rest of the lovely co-hosts here? You can find me at Rosalesaurus. That's R-O-S-A-L-E-S-A-U-R-U-S. Oh my gosh, that's long. Uh, you can find me at JSound20 on Twitter. Uh, Andres, where can we find you? Uh, if you want to find my personal account, you can find me at Andreas Babs because my, my last name is longer than one of LeBron James's travels, so I decided to shorten nice. it. Ha. Well played, sir. Well played. Speaking of which, you can find us on uh, iTunes. Uh, just search up That's a Rap Podcast on iTunes, and uh, soon you can find us on Spotify, too, if we keep on going. Leave us uh, reviews and comments and even questions and things that you want us to bring up, too, on our next uh, episodes. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can make this an ongoing thing, boys. All right. Thanks, guys. For now, that's a wrap. <laughs>